The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. Proud official kit suppliers to the Irish men and women's rugby teams. And you're welcome to the RTE Rugby Podcast as we return for yet another season and the start of the United Rugby Championship. Uh, first round kicks off this weekend. We're very excited as RTE to have live coverage throughout the season of games involving Irish provinces. Um, once again, Bernard Jackman is with us. Bernard, how are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, glad to be back after a few weeks off and uh, yeah. looking forward to the URC starting. It seems like the last season has only barely finished up, isn't it? We're straight back into it. I mean, yeah, it has gone quickly, and uh, I feel for some of the players. I know the, the the Irish lads who are in the British and Irish lines are back deep into into their preseason at the moment, and yeah, going through the going through the ringer. So look at uh, I just can't wait to see the the action start. Um, and see how the provinces are, are shaping up, and obviously with the with the four new teams in the URC, it, it, it's hopefully going to be a, a better competition. You you were a sucker for preseason, weren't you? You loved the old preseason. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was always uh, I think I won preseason. I missed um, I missed out in Fat Club, uh, which is <laughs> which is the punishment for those preseasons where where you come back um, having missed your your body fat target. So uh, I used to have extra conditioning three days a week at half six. Um, fasted conditioning which was uh, enough in itself never mind what you had to do after it so uh look i'm glad to be i'm glad those calipers are are, yeah. are gone and no longer no longer a feature just my uh, just my waistline yeah exactly well anyone who, who uh, reads the Sunday independent you should check out bernard has a new regular column every sunday and he did write um a good bit about this last weekend about fat club as well that just means to me bernard that you enjoyed your break all the more which you oh. means you were well rested and ready for producing <laughs> it's all about well-being and balance few you know i was doing it 20 years ago before there were common words, common <laughs> phrases, but I, I look. I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. I was. Tell you where. I had I had lots of uh, front row colleagues, and the odd back, the odd back who was uh, who enjoyed himself used to join us for a while. But they used to get out pretty quick. To be honest, we were we were often in there for the whole summer. But uh, look, I was always glad when matches came around. Um, yeah. And that's that, that's why I played rugby. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all are just ready to get stuck in. Delighted to say we as well, we have Jared Wright, who's a Sanakin rugby journalist. Obviously, most of our listeners will be familiar with Ultimate Rugby and indeed have it. And we're delighted to have Jared to give us the South African viewpoint. How are you, Jared? Oh, well, thanks to you. you uh, exciting yeah. weekend in South Africa. We've got uh, some big games this weekend. Yeah, I, I imagine the United Rugby Championship probably won't be the main focus for you guys this weekend. But nevertheless, we might get into the New Zealand match a little bit later on. What is the mood in South Africa like, Jared, ahead of the United Rugby Championship? It's it's a kind of a strange one for us because we've had this Celtic League relaunch so many times now. We're, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that this one actually works out and is a success. But what's the mood in South Africa like? Yeah, well, uh, I think the South Africans will always take up an uh, extra opportunity to, to light a fire and uh, watch a rugby. So, yeah, um, it, overall, I think um, a lot of the fans are excited in um, seeing how we fare against the Northern Hemisphere sides. And, um, yeah, I think miss, uh, they'll miss Super Rugby, but I think uh, it's a new challenge, and I think everyone's looking forward to it. Um, we've seen some of our South Africans move abroad and uh, star there and impress. And I think um, the, the mood is a positive one and one that we want to take the make the most of. And that's good to hear, Birch, I guess, you know, from, uh, I guess from a, an Irish and a Celtic league standpoint that there is a bit of excitement in South Africa about it because this league is very much dependent on the South Africa bringing their A game and the South African sides fronting up and making it a competitive league, if you like. Yeah, look, they're trying to find the right formula for this competition. And they have been, as you said, you since since probably conception. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a better chance of this working out with, 
with the four franchises that are in it now. And that's not no disrespect to the Cheetahs or the Kings, but financially and in terms of probably history, history, well, certainly the Kings didn't, you know, they didn't have the support base to, to be competitive. And that was, it was really a damp squid, to be honest. And, you know, the even though the budgets in the Northern Hemisphere um, are significantly higher, you know, we have to, understand that the, the the sharks and the and the bulls in particular do have financial backing that will hopefully you know help them build squads that are are more than competitive and i, I suppose the big thing for me is i've no doubt when the springboks come back you know these teams will be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the with the northern hemisphere teams but it'd be interesting from jared's point of view in terms of how are they going to do over the first few weeks because unfortunately you know our perception uh, and, and Irish rugby fans and Welsh rugby fans, etc., perception of the, the strength of the four teams will be based upon what they see over the next month, even though you know we know that there's there's more um, cattle coming as such. So, yeah, how do you think they're fair? Are they, are they ready to go? Um, week one, week two, yeah. Well, I, I think the, the bulls and the sharks will be a lot more um, prepared than, than the other two. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head that, um, this, uh, missing some of the Springboks will certainly hurt our sides. Um, I think the, the Sharks and the Bulls are, are a lot more well-prepared. Um, Bulls have quite a bit of squad depth and um, Jake White running the show there. Um, he's always going to run a, a good team. Um, and, and the Sharks are sort of piecing together their own dynamite side, if I can put it that way. And um, yeah, I, I think they'll be able to, to front up somewhat. Um, there's been a few player movements that uh, should work out well for them as well. But uh, yeah, for for the other two, for the for the Stormers, um, I, I'm not uh, as positive for unfortunately. And um, the same goes for the Lions. Um, they're both in sort of transitional stages of the of the um, coaching structures. And um, yeah, the Stormers always have a, a bit of a, a gnarly pack, and they should. He helped there, but I think they they lacking a bit up wide. I Bernard, does the goodwill do you think from uh, from Celtic League supporters decide uh, stretch a bit in in so far as that I think would they be happy if if they had the top two sides in South Africa being competitive this season and allowing the Stormers and the Lions time to develop? Do you think that they would take that for the first season, maybe first season or two, given time to bet in, or or do you think really that look the fans here are just getting a bit sick and tired of I guess the non-competitive nature of this league, and they want the South African sides to front up and bring what they can bring from the get-go. Yeah, look, I think the, uh, if if one of them was even like a contender to win it, um, I think that would be be enough year one. And and, and I think I, I actually wished um, that maybe the, the European teams travel to South Africa first. I think particularly when with the box away, I think that's going to be hugely difficult to go down there and win. Even you know, even with in the lines, you know, at, at altitude, even though the team are obviously in transition a little bit. So it's just, the big thing for me is that they don't ship Haydn's, um, you know, in the first couple of rounds and, mm. and people get turned off. I mean, you know, there's, there's huge excitement about people going back to stadiums. The, the big problem has been, you know, if you went to watch Leinster or Munster, you know, most weeks in the, in the, in the old pro 14 at home, you knew they were going to win, you know, it was only the odd time there was a, a shock and you want to go to games believing it's going to be competitive and that the um you know the the, the outcome is is in doubt and and i i, I think i i'll be shocked i'll be disappointed if that didn't happen uh this weekend but 
Um, I, I think for, from an Irish supporter's point of view, as long as they can see that at least one of them is, is a contender and that they're going to develop and get better with the experience of dealing with Northern Hemisphere refereeing, dealing with Northern Hemisphere style of play, you know, adding to their squad depth, um, I, I think it's, it, it'll be fine because this is probably the last chance, you know, to get it right. I think if this doesn't happen, you know, there's going to be more talk about a British and Irish league. And, mm. um, you know, this is the best chance of kind of having our own competition um, and making a successful one. And I guess, Jared, you know, for it to be a success as well, we need performances on the pitch, obviously, competitive uh, games bring about their own sense of sport, and that's great. But I, I'm wondering how much the South African fans will, will buy into it. I mean, I remember even when the Southern Kings and the Cheetahs joined and um, the Pro 14, as it was originally, we would watch games in, in South Africa and you'd tune in and you'd have maybe 1,000, 2,000 people in this giant stadium and just made for a terrible atmosphere. I'm wondering, is there a sense, of going from Super Rugby now to this new United Rugby Championship, is there a sense of... Uh, anticipation or excitement among the supporters that they will buy into it as well? Yeah, I think uh, we haven't had any um, fans in the stadium since 2020. So mm. I, I think the minute we we are able to have um, people going back into the stands, we will have um, a more bloated crowds. And uh, with the Blue Bulls especially being such a force now in South African rugby again, um, they have a massive um, supporter base and um, they're very fickle in a sense um, that when they perform in while well, the stadium's packed and when they're not, it's a little bit more empty. Um, so yeah, with the with the Cheetahs and the Kings, the, the two stadiums are um, quite badly situated for, for the, the fans to actually get into the stands. And the, the four teams coming in now are a lot more central and a lot more in your hubs. So... I think we will definitely have more fans in the stands. And um, yeah, the, the minute it, it is open, we, we will have um, bigger crowds. I think, Bernard, as well, from an Irish perspective, uh, I, I've saw a lot of, written in the last couple of weeks about, you know, if, if the South African sides bring a more competitive nature to the league, Leinster, Munster, Ulster, in particular, we're going to have to pick stronger sides week in, week out. Like They're not going to be able to rest as many players. And this player welfare system that the RFU have been cultivating, which I don't know, you can argue the successes or failures of it, um, might have to take a back seat. But do you believe that to be the case? Or do you believe that because a lot of these guys are essentially contracted with the RFU? And anyway, it doesn't matter how, much, how competitive the league is. The RFU will do what they want to do to look after their players as they see fit with regards to the national team. And whether or not the South African sides are competitive is a bit of a moot point. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it will force um, stronger discussions, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and the, the European format has changed as well, so it's going to be harder for Irish provinces to qualify for, for the European Cup, and, and, and that's, that's very important for the financial you know, well-being of, of the provinces. So, for example, take Connacht. Um, you know, they're building a new stadium. Um, you know, there's, there's financial implications for that. To, to not be in the European Cup for them, uh, would be a blow to that. And, and the way the RFU are financially at the moment, uh, post-COVID, I think that the financial side of it will uh, potentially, you know, play a part as well. Plus the pressure coming from the, the provinces and explaining how important it is. So there's less clashes this year as well. So, you know, obviously the, there's a break for November. There's, there's a break in Six Nations. So I would expect our international players to, to play a lot more. The, the downside of that is, uh, and is that you know I don't see it get to the stage anymore where Leinster play sixty-one players in a season. I think that you can have a smaller squad, and it's going to be more pressure to to perform. 
and there is going to be more pressure on the on the senior players. But look, that's what we want. When you buy a season ticket, you you know you, you might have an interest in, in development and uh, etc. But you, you want, want to see, see the stars, right? You want to see the stars. That's why that's why they get paid the big money. That's why you know um, you know soccer. They sign Messi and Ronaldo, and you want to see the, the Johnny Sexton's, the, the Jack Conan's, you know the the Peter Manny's etc. Play for for the province. So. I think it's a really good thing, and if we have to give a little on the player management, I don't think the Irish the Irish team have had the success, you know, that warrants um, micromanaging every player on a yeah. not even on an individual basis. It's very much a, a a general graph, and everyone has to fit into that. So, for me, playing rugby and playing matches um, is 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 what these lads are built to do, and and they should be allowed to play more often than they have been. That this is something I've, I've, I've we've I guess we've talk, talked about a good bit on the, on the podcast over the last season or two, uh, Birch as well with Donald um, about the, the player welfare system and actually you know what are the tangible benefits from it and you can make the argument okay fine you know it helps Leinster do well in the Pro 14 or Pro 16 as it has been um, as regards to Ireland okay under Joe Schmidt they did well but overall for the Irish team when we keep hearing that the English players and the French players are being bashed up day in day out in this really competitive league. Yeah, they're able to come into their national setup. It doesn't seem to hurt them too much here. I just wonder, have we been looking at this player welfare system that the RFU have kind of insisted upon uh, through rose-tinted glasses a little bit too much? Yeah, I, I think it's, it needs a serious re-examination. I mean, if we were, if we were doing well at World Cups and we were, you know, uh, top two every year in the Six Nations, I would say, well, okay, the, the results are there to, to speak for themselves. But And also there's a fallacy that, you know, Playing less will extend your career. Like it's great we have Johnny Sexton playing, you know, uh, uh, post thirty five. But Dwayne Vermeulen, who's obviously signed for Ulster, you know, he's he's been doing a shuttle seasons. He's been playing Super Rugby in Japan and uh, playing international rugby. He's played the top fourteen. He's played in you know while he played international rugby, rugby championship, etc. Like you know, it is possible. You know, it, there's guys like Simon Shaw, etc. Backies Boda who've come to France at the end of their career and, and went to play two or three more years. So. I, I don't think that um, the, the story or the narrative that we're told that, oh, this is going to extend your career is actually even proven either. So um, I, I'd love to see it re-examined. Um, and, you know, I just, I, just on Dwayne Vermeulen, I mean, I mean, what does Jared think about him as a signing for, for Ulster? Um, yeah. Has he still got good rugby left in him? Oh, 100%. Uh, he's... He's one of those special players, I think. Um, he's very highly rated in South Africa, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more than um, just his performances that he brings on the pitch for, for a team like Ulster. Um, I think I think it's, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's David McMahon. That's uh, the young Irish uh, number eight there at Ulster. He'll bring uh, unbelievable knowledge for him. And uh, he's actually one of the... Uh, like Baratus Mullins in the Springbok squad. Um, uh, Jacques Ninova speaks highly of him as a, not just a leader, but uh, an analytical um, player that constantly questions the coaches in, in, a, in the right kind of manner and comes up with um, problems, uh, with solutions to some of their problems. So I, I think it's an unbelievable signing from Ulster. And um, he's sort of in that space where they're not going to expect him to play every single game, but the big games that he does play, he, he will produce in those games. And I'll also have, uh, Jared, uh, you know, a, a bit of a long tradition at this stage now of a close association with South African players, particularly kind of frontline players who they would have signed as, as key players 
first and foremost. But equally, if you look at you know the influence that maybe Pedri Vandenberg had, a Ruben Pinar in particular, on younger players at Ulster coming through, you know, Dwayne Vermeulen again with an Ulster pack that is very young, that's quite inexperienced, that seems to have a good bit of talent, but could really learn from someone like uh, Dwayne Vermeulen. You'd imagine that it's the perfect signing in many ways for him. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And yeah, I, I don't think Dwayne Vermeulen would sign any contract with any um, team that he and and would say, okay, I'm just here to take a back seat. Um, he'll be there to to play for that number eight jumper, and the younger guys will have to take it off of him or compete with him for it. And yeah, hundred percent right. So Ron Pino and um, even Johan Muller were um, massive players there at Ulster, and. I, I don't doubt for a second that Milan will be in that same category, even if it is just a two years uh, stint with him. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that, then um, uh, earlier this week, Michael Glennon of our RT Rugby production staff spoke to Ulster boss Dan McFarland uh, and asked him, first of all, how the signing of Dwayne Vermeulen came about. Have a listen to this. Well, it, it, it came about. Um, I suppose that the, the the history is is pretty clear. Like Marcel. Um, uh, went back to South Africa. We we were uh, always in the market for uh, a difference-making player. Um, we signed Leone, and then really, unfortunately, um, uh, the the medical from our perspective didn't uh, didn't 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 work out. And we decided at that time, rather than um, diving straight back into the, the the market and signing the the, the first player that uh, became available. Um, we would be very specific about the the type of player that we wanted, um, and and that was somebody who we felt was was really going to um, make a difference to us. And you know, it didn't have to be in any particular um, aspect. It, we wanted them to be a, a back rower, but we wanted them to be a, a, an in, influential back rower. And uh, so, um, uh, when we first looked through that that. The names on the list were really good players, don't get me wrong, but uh, we have a lot of really good back rowers here. So um, we just held our breath and uh, kept our powder dry. And and, um, and then one day, uh, Bryn stuck his head into my office and said, what about Dwayne Vermeulen? Um, and um, I uh, I said, yes, please. And, uh, and, and Bryn really took it from there and... Uh, um, you know, I think uh, Dwayne, Dwayne said it in his quote. You know, a lot of good conversations around with uh, with with the agent and with with Bryn um, around. You know, what 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 as a club we offer and and you know what part he could play in that. Um, and and well, we are where we are in in terms of what uh, what what Dwayne can offer. Well, he's a he's a he's a World Cup winning number eight. You know, he was he was. Just, MVP in in a World Cup final, um, you know he's as a as a particular player, um, you know he's obviously a really big bodied back rower. Um, you know we don't, you know we we don't have other big body. We've got really good players, but we don't have big bodied back rowers. You know that's what Marcel was. Um, you know Dwayne Dwayne brings that. Um, he also brings a lot of game nous. Um, you know obviously a really really smart player. Um, you know, and and you can see from the 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 fact that that um, the Springboks 
who was so keen to get him back into their team. Um, the kind of influence that, that, that he has is able to have on the game and the people around him. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really need me to explain that, that he's he is and has been a, a top quality player for a long time. I know when Ulster fell short a couple of times over the last season when it looked as if they were in quite good positions to move on to the next step, are you are you happy that that Dwayne is somebody who can really help to bridge that gap? I I, I don't think any one player is going to bridge that gap. Um I, I think that uh, you know, on on the couple of occasions uh, or the few occasions we've been within reaching distance of, of of trophies. You know, it's 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 us as a team that uh, that that have fallen short. Um, you know, and and that's that's progress. You know, it's you know that's the 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 progression we're on. Um, you know, I think we're we are a very good team, but the the bottom line is, in any given competition, it's like in the URC this year, it'll, it'll be one team out of sixteen teams that wins it. So, you know, you you need one, you need to be a really good team, and and two, you need a little bit of luck along the way, um, and and you need to be able to produce the goods on the day. Is 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 a player of, of Dwayne's quality going to add to that? Definitely. Do do I think it's the answer that, that that gets you over the line? No, it'll be whether we're better as a team, and and he'll play uh, uh, he'll play a part in that. Are you happy that they have um, got rid of well, the captain's challenge and um, the twenty minute red card? I know why you're smiling. And do you think it's good that they've kept on the the dropout and the fifty twenty two or or have introduced that? How do you feel about those rules? Well, I like I, I don't I don't want to. Um... I, I don't want to commit myself <laughs> too much these my books. Uh, when the when the captain's challenge came in, I actually said, "Oh yeah, that'll be a bit of fun." And then it was an absolute disaster, and we actually lost the game at home because of it. Um, you know, fairly, but uh, um, um, that was a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> that was all in hindsight, isn't it? You know, so so I'm, I'm very glad that that's disappeared. Uh, the goal line dropout and uh, and the, the 50-22, like we've obviously played a number of games there and, and a couple of games with the 50-22, and, and you know I, I, I quite like them. Um, I, I don't know whether you watched the the Bristol Saracens game from Friday night, and I don't know whether it was the 50-22 rule that that was uh, uh, that that led to there being just a plethora of kicks in the first half. Um, I'm hoping that, that that's not what's going to happen because that's not what it's designed for. It's 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 designed to try and, uh, and open up the field to to to, to allow you to counterattack. Uh, but uh, it remains to be seen. As I say, I don't want to totally commit on it. Uh, let's let's see how the season unfolds. And you win a few games using the 50-22 rule, and uh, I'll say it's a brilliant brilliant idea. Good stuff. Thanks. Best of luck for the season, Dan. Okay, so first, just before we move on, I like, I mean, look, it, it, it's 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 the type of player I guess that Dan would have been crying out for over the last yeah. season or so. That big, strong, physical, ball kind of player. When Marcel Kutsia announced that he was leaving, there was a lot of dismay around Raven Hill that he, you know they were going to lose a, a player of his caliber. But this is obviously a better signing. Well, uh, yeah, well, it is, it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's a better signing, um, and this is not disrespect to Marcel, but uh, I would totally double down on what Jared said there um, about you know. His influence, Dwayne's influence off the field. A friend of mine, um, Franz Ludica, who used to coach the Bulls, uh, had him in the Kubota Spears, and he said he was like an extra coach. And 
you know, somewhere, sometimes you hear that and I go, oh, no, you don't need an extra coach. But um, by all accounts, his ability, not just to go, oh, we do this in the box or we do this in Toulon, it'll work. He's able to go, right, you know, with the personnel we have, that's not possible. So let's just try and, 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 and try this. And, um, and plus his consistency, plus his composure. He's like, you know, let's be honest, the kicking game is a big feature in the URC and He's probably the best number eight in the world in the backfield in terms of dealing with those high balls. And we saw we saw how the Lions targeted his replacement and during the Lions series. So, you know, look at I think when when they signed the only Nakawara, I, I felt that was a mistake. I, I felt that that was a you know a big name, great highlights video, but his best days were behind him. And I think him him failing the medical is probably a a blessing in the in disguise. And then it just being patient and just waited, waited, waited and. Players like Dwayne Vermeulen don't really come on the market, um, you know, very often. And I just think it's a brilliant bit of business. I, I know um, uh, Dan is, is crediting uh, Bryn Cunningham, but I think, you know, a, a contract like that takes takes a big financial commitment as well. So the board of, of Ulster and, the, you know, the, the finan- chief financial officer deserve a lot of credit as well. But I, I just think, you know, he can be, a, he, he can build a team around him. Plus Ulster, let's remember, um, have put a lot of development into a bunch of young players like Sabat Clune, like Sir Hume, etc., yeah. who we saw play for Ireland in the summer and looked like they're just about ready to, to step up. So having you know a, a, a senior player, world class player like him around him could be Ulster weren't far away. He, he could be the difference in terms of you know getting a trophy. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. I, just Jared, I, I did have a bit of a smile on my face as I was going through your Twitter feed this morning um, and I saw you picked your all-time favourites between uh, South Africa and New Zealand. I think you have nine Springboks and six Allbacks in your in your best 15, which I'm, I'm sure was done as much as they are your favourites also to wind up a few Kiwis, which is also a lot of fun. Um, but look, it's a massive game this weekend. You must be looking forward to it. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah, we've had two disappointing uh, games against Australia, but... Uh... The Springbok team always pitches up against New Zealand. Um, I, I think it was a couple of years back under Alistair Batia, and we got an absolute pump in, in New Zealand, and we came back, and it was a one or two point game in Cape Town. So, yeah, always exciting playing against the All Blacks, and uh, yeah, probably our biggest test since the Lions tour, which uh, seems like it was just yesterday. What, what happened against Australia, and what's what has been the current mood around the? South African team at the moment. Uh, I've been reading a lot of criticism about their their lack of, of, of general attack play. We obviously saw, I guess, firsthand South African, it's typical South African rugby against the Lions, very, very effective. But I wonder now, is there starting to be a little bit of, of unease about maybe the lack of variety and using the guys like Cheslin Colby, who we know are absolute superstars, and maybe using more of the, the width that, that you guys possess out there? Yeah, well, it's probably saying Bernard can uh, touch on a bit more uh, in more detail than I could, but uh, I, I sort of have the feeling with the Springboks at the moment that they are trying to change that narrative of their um, boring style of play, and Ninabe is trying to implement those um, attack, attacking structures, and it's not, it's not something that comes easily for, uh, for coaches. It takes a couple of games to get in, and... Um, I think, I think it's a it's a natural dip that the Springboks have taken. Um, it's a bit of an unfortunate time just before a 100th test match against the All Blacks, but it's a natural dip where you're trying to get those um, structures implemented and it's just not coming off. Um, guys running a bit too, too um, wide and not lateral enough 
and uh, yeah, you're focusing so much on the attack that your defense slips off a bit or your set pieces don't go quite right. I'm not drawing a direct analogy here, Birch, but I do remember when Rob Penny came into the Munster setup, first of all, he, he, was, he was ripping up the Munster script, I guess, the 10-man rugby, the kind of very much forward domination. I remember seeing Dunnick O'Callaghan out in the wing a few times the first few games, and he just said, what the hell am I doing out here? But, you know, with any kind of revolution, with an attack like this, or if you're really trying to, I guess, change the blueprint fundamentally, it does take time, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the hardest thing, or, the, or, the, or the, the area of the game takes the longest to perfect. And also, people need to understand, if you... If you mess around or, or try and evolve your attacking game, it has a, a direct influence on how you defend as well. And, and the box were so happy and comfortable in that set-piece kicking defense uh, and how they all joined up. And they were able to score tries um, for sure, um, particularly off, off transition. But now it's different. Now they're actually trying to be a team that holds the ball for longer, plays, for a, little bit, uh, plays a little bit deeper um, in terms of territory. And it's just has them a little bit out of sync. Plus, I'll be honest, I think if you, t- if you go into Razzie and Jack Ninabar's mindset, you know, when they got the team, they were in a bit of disarray. Target was World Cup, right? So huge target. They won the World Cup. Then they obviously would have liked to evolve their attacking game uh, before the Lions Tour. COVID, no games. So what are you doing in the Lions Tour? You don't, you don't um, try and uh, develop things. You, you go to the try and test it. They won the Lions Tour. Now they probably, you know, ideally you don't do it against Australia. You do it for the guys. And, you know, they haven't had that, they don't have the opportunity. So they're doing it against, you know, the Wallabies who look like they're finding their, their mojo a little bit. And, but I, I don't know if, if it's like the All Black Springbok test in itself is so big. I would be maybe disappointed if they didn't go back to type a little bit and just try to, to bring the best possible game plan to, to contain or beat the All Blacks. And, that attack can evolve, you know, over the next 12, 12 months, 18 months, because let's be honest, for me, I admire the box. I have admired the box for being very comfortable in what they do. And I thought some of the banter and the, the, the abuse back and forth between the British and Irish Lions fans and the South African fans, you know, it was, it was quite heated at times around. A way <laughs> Who's the, the most game. boring? I know. <laughs> and it was boring. It was boring. But, and again, I understand why Gatlin doubled down, etc. but, um, at least the box are, are, are very, are successful to do what they do. And it's up to other teams to, to expose that. So, um, but uh, yeah, they definitely are trying to evolve. Um, and some of that might be down to the way the game has been, has been refereed now and, and laws are coming in, but I, I wouldn't mind. I, all I want to see is a good test this weekend uh, and a competitive test. And if the box have to go back, back a step to go forward, two steps in the future, I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think anyone, anyone minds South Africa doing what they are best at. I think the problem on this side was watching Warren Gatlin try to beat South Africa at their own game time, which just, uh, I guess, didn't make a huge amount of sense. Um, just a quick word about Australia um, from both of you as well, because, Jared, my God, and they do seem like a, a side reborn at the moment. Quake Cooper is playing some of the best rugby I think I've ever seen him play. Corin Betty is probably one of the most clinical wingers in the world right now, um, his all-round game as well. And it's brilliant to see Australia back playing good rugby. I think the world, and certainly as we head towards France 2023, like, you know, world rugby needs Australia to be back on top, right? Yeah, I, I can't agree more. Um, I think uh, everyone was crying out after the 2015 World Cup for a good Springbok team to come back um, after we lost a lot, uh, the, the first test against Ireland uh, down here. And then we had that horrid 
time in 2017. And uh, the same sort of narrative follows the, the Wallabies. We we want the three big Southern Hemisphere nations to be at, at the top of their game and test in the North just as much. So yeah, it was fantastic what Dave has uh, been able to do at the Wallabies. And um, yeah, the Wallabies are kind of a weird team because they, they're not as um, physically dominant as the Springboks, but they're not as athletic as, as the All Blacks. So they sort of, they, I think they've hit the sweet spot now where they, um, weighing up those two and then adding a smarter way of playing and potentially changing their, their game to, to their opposition and outsmarting them in that way. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant to see, I have to say. We can't wait for the test this weekend. We're also very much looking forward to live coverage um, of our first game in the United Rugby Championship. It is uh, Munster against the Sharks from Tomlin Park um, from 7 o'clock on Saturday night, first game of the new season. And as we said, hopefully... The United Rugby Championship proves to be everything that we hope it might be. Um, delighted to welcome on board for the uh, season as well our new uh, podcast sponsors in Canterbury. Bernard Jackman has just insisted on a brand new pair of boots. I don't know whether you're going to get back training, Birch, or what's that for? Maybe just give them to your son, Ben, or, or what you're going to do with those boots. Maybe paint Golden oldies, golden oldies. Uh, <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> 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 Listen, well, thanks, Jared. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we might have you back again soon to see how the, uh, the championship is getting on um, in South Africa. But thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for so much for having me. Cheers, and thanks to, to Bert as well. We're back next week. Talk to you then. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. Proud official kit suppliers to the Irish men and women's rugby teams.